Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 225 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. We're really motoring right now. There just don't seem to be enough hours in the day and the jobs keep piling up. Listen in to hear how I spent one of my days this week. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, welcome back for a little more beekeeping chat. And this week I thought I would talk you through a fairly average day in the life of this beekeeper. Now, not all weeks are the same, obviously. We're at a point in the season where there are far more jobs than hours in the day and I really don't get to complete them. And of course, most tasks take a whole lot longer than I usually expect, meaning most of the time jobs get carried over to the following day or even the next week. It just needs maximum effort for a few more weeks and we should be on top of everything. Before I get started with that though, I figured you'd be waiting for my weather report and well, not much has changed really. We had one very brief period of showers on Friday morning but apart from that, it's been dry and sunny for most of the week. The top temperatures have fallen a little, I guess to more normal seasonal norms, low to mid 20s but otherwise we're still desperate for some gentle, continuous rainfall. Of course, I happen to choose the day of the morning of the showers to head out to the farm and sort through several piles of Technoset hives that we needed for autumn splits. It was a case of dashing in and out of the truck to firstly move around a few hives and then back into the truck to shelter from the rain. As I said, it wasn't really very prolonged or heavy, but enough to get me scampering back to the drive of the Ranger cab, which I'm pleased to say is, Touchwood behaving itself right now. Coolant system all topped up, new radiator working fine, and so far, no overheating issues. So here's my blow-by-blow -blow account of my fairly typical work routine at this time of the year. Awake at something like 4.30 to 5am, not because I have to, but because my body clock tells me it's time to get up. First things first, coffee. I'm pretty slow to get going without it, but it also has this weird effect of raising my blood pressure if I have too much, so I have to get it in early and stop all caffeine drinks after midday. I digress. Coffee in hand, the computer gets switched on, and I scan through my emails and Patreon comments. I like to reply to everyone within 24 hours if I can. Sometimes I need to have a little think about an issue or challenge that the beekeeper has before I reply, but generally I can fire off a reply quite quickly. Emails can take a little longer. Lots of junk mail, mostly unsolicited. 
this throws up another chance to get sidetracked, especially if there's a special offer on dahlias or car parts or beekeeping equipment. Might take me down a rabbit hole or two, but I try to stay focused. I probably get around 20 to 40 emails each day. Of these, perhaps only five or six are beekeeping questions, but they can take a while to reply to. I like to get off the computer by 6.15 or thereabouts and get all of the personal stuff out of the way. Shower, dressed, sometimes breakfast. Most often not, though. Another coffee for my Yeti. A sandwich made for lunch. Again, only sometimes. If the emails have taken longer than I expect, then I might grab a sandwich from a shop instead. By 7 or 7.30, I'm usually meeting Steph at the unit in Norwich, and on this day, it was no different. A quick grab of anything we might need for the day, smoke a fuel, clean wash bucket, a clean bee suit maybe, and we're off out. On this particular day, we were travelling to Essex to work, so it's a two-hour drive to begin with. We arrive at the apiaries around 10am, and it's the pumpkin meadow first, grab a quick drink and get cracking with the bees. Bee suits on, smoker lit, hive tools in hand and I'm ready. The plan for today is to check on all of our colonies at the pumpkin apiaries, something around 35 colonies. The majority are national hives that we're selling and each of these needs a careful disease inspection, a check to ensure that they're queen right and that they have sufficient food stored to get them going in the right direction for the autumn. Finally, they also need their autumn treatments adding, and as I've mentioned before, we're using Apistan this year. The disease inspection is simple enough and something everyone should carry out at least three or four times a year. The adult bees are inspected. In practical terms, that means simply looking at them for any outward signs of disease, The classic example is deformed wing virus, wings that are crumpled and, well, deformed. Easy enough to spot as the majority of your bees should have perfectly formed wings. Watching the bees as they move around the top bars, you'll also want to look out for CBPV, chronic bee paralysis virus, that uncontrollable shaking that the bees will have. Again, quite obvious when compared to a colony that is in good health. I move quickly from inspecting adult bees to the brood nest area. Again, I'm really looking for healthy brood. I don't expect to see disease, so it jumps out quite quickly if it's present. Normally, you might just spot a few cells of chalk brood or sac brood, maybe the odd wax moth trail, or possibly more serious varroa damage. The point here is I'm checking for it by looking for healthy brood. Anything that isn't healthy, by definition, needs further investigation. Have they got enough food? Are there eggs? Brood in all stages. And finally, do any of the frames need urgent replacement? Once the health check has been completed, it's time to add the varroa treatment strips. These are normally inserted in pairs, one between frames 3 and 4, and another between 7 and 8. But I like to check where the brood is because sometimes the colony will move all of the brood to one side of the brood box, which means if you simply insert the strips where the instructions say you should, you could well only be benefiting from one of those strips. 
These remain in the hive for a minimum of six weeks, but no longer than eight weeks. This is because Varroa can build up resistance to this treatment, and as I said, it's called Apistan. This is also a great time to give the hive roofs a clean, particularly the metal roofs of the national and commercial hives. I use a queen marking pen to write various comments and details on the roof as the year progresses, and ultimately it gets a little confusing at the end of the season. The great thing is the washing soda mix I use for cleaning my hive tools in between inspections is also great for cleaning these metal roofs. Mascara and a splash of cleaning water is all it needs with a little gentle scrubbing to get rid of all of my nonsense comments. A wipe with a rag cleans it all off and a couple of seconds in the hot sunshine dries it sufficiently to enable me to write a hive code and comments. In this case it's the buyer's initials and a number, the fact that the colony is Queenwright, abbreviated to QR, the word apistan to denote the hive has been treated along with the day's date. Everything you need to confirm when the inspection took place and the condition of the colony being queen right. All this takes little time really. A strong healthy colony can be checked in 5-10 to 10 minutes from start to finish. The challenge comes when you multiply that by 30 hives. If we assume it takes a minute to wash my gloves and hive tool in between inspections, and include the act of removing the roof feeder, if in place, crime board and first frame in the total time to inspect, and also include the reverse when closing the colony down after the inspection, 30 colonies is going to take around 5 hours to get through at 10 minutes per hive. Throw in a drinks break and some lunch and you're realistically looking at 6 hours. Of course, the hive's not all in the same apiary, so we have to move position a couple of times. Add another 30 minutes for this, and we're getting close to six and a half hours. Starting at 10 in the morning, that means it should be something around 4.30 in the afternoon. But on this occasion, we also had to record a video, and the topic was autumn varroa treatments. All of this adds around another 30 minutes to the time to inspect one colony, setting up the camera and microphone, finding the right position to record, and although some of you might not believe it, spending a few minutes trying to think of the best way to explain what I'm doing. It all takes time. Now, I'm not in any way complaining. I just wanted to talk you through a full day in the life of this beekeeper, but we're not finished yet. Upon completion of the day's inspections, we pack away all of our equipment, grab a snack and a drink, and start the two-hour drive back home. We arrive at the unit in Norwich somewhere around 7 in the evening, unload the beekeeping gear and head home. Next, a quick shower and with luck there may be some dinner ready for me and I'll jump onto the computer to edit the day's video. Once the video is edited, I make up the thumbnail for the YouTube upload. All of the videos are uploaded to YouTube, but held as unpublished so that they can only be viewed on Patreon. Once uploaded, I can finally copy the link and post the final video to Patreon, add a short title and description before finally heading downstairs to my armchair and a chance to catch up on some cycling on TV. More often than not, I'll see the start of the programme and wake up watching a completely different programme, but that's just how my days roll sometimes. Just to reiterate, I'm really not complaining. 
These late summer days can be very long, but it's important to fit everything in as best as we can because the time really starts to fly by now and we still have a lot of work to complete. We're just beginning to sort our autumn splits, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's podcast. The Technoset hives are great for this. They have specific channels in the brood box that accommodate a split board to convert the 10-frame body into two 5-frame nukes. The entrances also get switched out to provide a much smaller entrance that the reduced nucleus-sized colony can defend and protect against wasps and robbers. The splits carried out this week will remain queenless for around seven days before we introduce new queens in their cages. These will be held in the colony for a couple of days with the tabs in place before we remove those and allow the queens to be released by the workers. I found this to be the most reliable method of queen introduction this year for me, and we've had very few failures. One to remember for next year, I think. A total of 40 splits this autumn will replace the colonies we're selling and give us a few extra overwintered nukes as replacement for any that might fail before we reach spring next year. My thoughts are already filled with planning for next season. I've already been booked up for borage pollination for next year by two farmers, and to ensure we have a terribly wet summer next year, both have confirmed they will have irrigation for the entire borage area, so we don't have the same crop failure as we did this year. We will have a strong starting point, all things being equal, and again we'll be making spring splits to increase our total colony count once more. It looks like we'll be heading into winter with around 150 to 170 colonies. The final number will vary depending on the smaller colonies we have and whether we unite those colonies with stronger ones instead of our sometimes used strategy of trying to nurse small colonies through the winter only for them to fail at the last hurdle. Finally today, and rather excitingly, Next week sees the very first bulk order of honey to leave the Norfolk Honey Company HQ. Not massive by bee farmer standards, but a first for me. Two pallets with five drums of honey, totalling nearly one and a half tonnes of honey. Another small step towards the making of our commercial bee farming enterprise. It's funny the things you learn when you do these things for the first time. We've had to get a banding strap machine if that's what it's called, the plastic pallet strapping that goes around the drums and secures it to the pallet. It's a bit like those cantilever hive straps that we use, where there's a distinct technique, and once you know how to use it, the whole process is quite simple. Also, and more by luck than judgment, I discovered the doorway into the honey room is just a few millimetres wider than the pallet the drums full of honey were on. I'm not sure we could have done anything but empty the barrels and start again if it had been too small to fit. I do seem to remember setting the doorway width so that I could get a pallet of honey jars through so that we could jar the honey in the honey room but had absolutely no thought of filling honey drums at that time. A lucky break I would say. Well that's it for this week for my latest videos and podcast. With more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same old Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Music